Don't miss the Can-Am Holiday Volleyball Showcase, North America's premier men's volleyball event. Experience and enjoy world-class athletes, coaches, and competition in Toronto this holiday season, December 28th to 31st at the Toronto Pan-Am Sports Centre. Get your tickets while they last at www.cahbs.com. Early bird pricing ends soon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. My name is Josh Nickel. Unfortunately, my partner in crime, Dallas Keith, couldn't join me today. But as usual, we're going to let the guests do all the talking, and we've got an exciting one this week. Uh, fans from the OUA will remember when the Ottawa GGs were a part of it. She was one of the best up-and-coming left sides there. She finished her university career when they transferred over to the RSEQ, where she was a three-time second-team All-Star. She was also an academic All-Canadian, and she was named team captain in her last year. We're excited to have her join her all the way from Austria, where she's enjoying her first year of professional volleyball. So please welcome to the show, Caroline LeMay. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. I guess the, the best thing to start with would be, how's Austria going, and how did you end up there? How did the, the pro contract go right out of university to playing pro? So I knew I like wanted to keep playing volleyball after because I wasn't done. So um, in... Probably the middle of my last year in university, I started um, trying to make a, a highlight video to like be able to find an agent because I had talked to a lot of people and that seemed to be the easiest way to get to the pro level. And so, yeah, I worked on that a lot. I got my video done and then I talked to some of my old teammates that had played pro and they suggested a certain agent and then I decided to go to contact him and yeah everything he was really interested so everything went well from there and then it was kind of just like a waiting game once that was done so I kind of got the contract with my agent at the end like when the summer was starting so after university, and then I waited a few months, and then I got two offers within like a week, <laughs> which was, yeah, <laughs> interesting, and then, yeah, I just, I found out people that, that played where I am right now, like players from the past, and I was able to talk to them on Facebook, and they had a lot of insight, and they were really nice, and literally told me everything about here. So I thought I had a pretty good, like, it felt like a nice place to be. Um, it's not the best contract ever, <laughs> because a starting point, but it's pretty good, and it's like it's pretty homey, I guess here. And, like, even my agent was saying how, like, it's, like, a good place to start, as in it's, like, sec like secure, I guess, because they've had a lot of foreigners before, so they have the experience, and, like, there wouldn't really be an issue with not getting paid or all that stuff. So, yeah, I made my decision, and I think it's going pretty good so far. <laughs> Nice. So we like we like to name drop on the show a whole bunch. So who were some of the the players that you spoke to, or did you did you speak to Lionel Woods at, at the University of Ottawa when you're still there? Like it seems like uh, some players have turned pro coming from that program. So was he able to offer any advice or any of the like you said the the vets who were at the program who already started their pro careers? 
Um, yeah, so I had talked to Lionel all through this because he knew I wanted to do that. And um, he had me in contact with um, Paul Graton's agency in, in Ottawa. And uh, I talked to them about making my video and all that. And they kind of helped me. And then I talked to Kaiva. She was, she played um, one year with us. She played four years at McGill and then went, I think, pro for two years and then came back and then she did her last year with us at the GGs. So um, she suggested the, this agent, which is, his name is Juiced and it's with the LT Volley Agency. And I think they're based in the Netherlands. But yeah, they, and she said he was a great agent. And then when I went on their website, they had a lot of Canadian players on their agency. So it seemed like a pretty safe bet. Nice. And you, and you mentioned you got two offers and you really did your due diligence to kind of find some background on the one. Uh, with the other contract offer, you don't have to say who, but uh, could you do the same background or did you have to try to trust your agent? Like, I'm just wondering if you... If you're going in as a first timer, what do you try to do to figure out what's what's the best situation other than relying on your agent, I guess? Yeah, so my other um offer was yeah, it was just like a first time foreigner I think for them. So I think they had had one maybe like 4 or 5 years ago, but since then they were only local players. So it was their first year trying again with a foreigner, so not everything was like settled in I guess and um I talked to my agent and he was really nice and honest with me because yeah he was just saying that they didn't seem so sure about a lot of the fees for like the the FIVB fees and all that so yeah he was just thinking that the offer that I accepted was more secure in that sense because once they start to worry about all these fees, you start to wonder if they will be able to pay me in the end, especially since they haven't had um, a foreigner in the past years, I guess. Right, right. Sounds like a lot of things to consider. So, um, yeah, let, let's just skip ahead. When you did accept your offer, tell us about, I, I guess, the town or the city that you're in and, and how, how the club's treating you so far. So, it's a really nice city here. It's beautiful. There's so many things to do and like it's pretty incredible that there's a team in the city so it's like very touristy and like yeah it's really really nice and all of the people so the the language here is german so it's yeah a little bit hard for them in that sense but all the people like connected to volleyball they speak english at least enough to communicate with me <laughs> So um, that made everything easier, but like everything outside of volleyball, so like when I go to the grocery stores and everything else, it's in German, and sometimes a lot of the like cashiers or people working there don't necessarily speak English, so I like kind of tried to learn the basics to try to get around, but yeah, it's pretty good, and if you go into town, there's more tourists there, so like generally the people that work there will speak a little bit more English. So. Nice. And I, I guess with you, you're 
you grew up speaking French at home though, right? So it's lucky that you're bilingual, but you're not getting to use your French a lot if, at all, right? No, there's, I haven't really met anybody that speaks French here, so. Lucky for you, you're bilingual. Nice. Growing up in Ottawa, I guess that helped. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Does your club have any other foreigners or are you the, the only one with a bunch of, I guess, Austrian uh, athletes? So we are four foreigners this year. There is one from Spain, one from the States, and she already played here two years in the past, so it's her third year with this club. And we have one from, I think, Croatia. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And how are you finding the level overall? Like, was U Sports able to prepare you, or did you, uh, I, I guess, have to step it up a level? Or, or what would you say the level right now is for the Austrian League? Um, I'd say it's different. It's not the best level there is for volleyball, um, mostly because a lot of the players are young. Like on my team, there's like a 16-year-old, but then there's also like a 32-year-old. So there's like a really big age difference. Nice. But yeah, and it's different because all the teams have some foreigners, and the foreigners are usually good players. Then you mix in the locals and the young people. <laughs> So it's it's still a pretty good level, but yeah, it's not obviously the best level, but it's pretty good. Now, does your league have a foreigner rule at all, or can technically all four of you be on the court at the same time? Uh, we can all be on the court. I don't know if there is a limit of how many, but I know they do the Austrian Cup that they call, and so that's kind of like another league, I guess where only the Austrian players are allowed to play. So, like, for example, this weekend, um, our whole team is playing on Saturday, and then on Sunday they have this cup game. So only the Austrian players are allowed to play. So us foreigners, we just kind of go and watch our team play. <laughs> wow, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of that one. That's I, maybe unique to Austria, or maybe other teams have a foreigner rule, but not completely, like, exclude you like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's probably only in Austria. I've never heard of it before. But, yeah, it's it's pretty cool because it gives them that opportunity. But they also don't play every weekend. It's And I think if they lose a game, it's over. So it's kind of like playoffs right away. Oh, that's pretty them. neat. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the structure of your actual league? Uh, how many clubs are, are in your league right now? Is it tiered or is it kind of every every club stays in the same league every season like I guess you've only been there one year so you're not sure about like relegation or advancement or anything like that but um yeah um I know there are different leagues so I think there maybe is like three or four leagues so like the first the second the third um but in like in the first league so that's the one that I'm playing in there we are 10 teams and yeah, I think we play them maybe every team maybe twice. And I'm really not sure how the playoffs work yet because I haven't gotten there and I don't understand <laughs> that. But. Nice. So um, you mentioned uh, you have foreigners and you have, uh, you know, I guess native Austrians on your team too. How are you able to communicate and practice and on the court with them um, if, if their English isn't that strong? Their English is really, it's not that bad at all. They all can speak enough to like, we all understand each other. It's just, you can tell they have to think more when they're speaking in English. 
so for them they prefer to just speak in German like when they're together they usually speak in German which I totally understand yeah but our coach our coach is from Argentina actually so he speaks mainly Spanish and he speaks English too but also isn't great at it <laughs> but he doesn't speak in, uh, German so our coach has to speak in English and he speaks sometimes a little bit slower to un make sure that everybody understands so that helped a lot because I didn't have this language barrier with my coach so during the practice I understand what's going on and yeah all the girls are pretty good like if they're speaking to me they'll speak in English and sometimes they speak to each other and I don't understand but then sometimes one of them will try to translate what they're talking about so it's it's still pretty nice nice and and how's the season going so far like how how many games have you played um how how would you feel about your own performance so far um and I guess what are you looking forward to the rest of the way as you you're on a one-year deal right so you're kind of just playing it out and hopefully get more exposure or return to this club yeah I'm on a one-year deal um I'm really not sure what is going to happen next year we will see I'm hoping that I can get a good contract somewhere but who knows? <laughs> yeah, we're currently fifth. And last weekend, we just played the first team. And um, it went okay. It could have been better. We won one set, but then lost in fourth. So we still have a lot of work to do, but I think our team can be like really good this year if we just keep working at certain things. But yeah. Nice. And are you are you considered a starter? Like, are you happy with your own performance? Like, how how would you feel personally about your game right now? Uh, yeah, I yeah, I am a starter. All corners, we are on the court most of the time, and um, I feel pretty good. I've like started. My coach kind of made me start to uh, do a jump spin serve, which I hadn't done since Timo. <laughs> I remember that. I was there. I was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I hadn't done that since five years now. And I think I only did it for maybe a month or two. So I'm working a lot on that and getting it more consistent, but I feel pretty good about it. And my coach has been really good at motivating me and like trying to push me to be better. So yeah, passing is still a little bit hard because I like the last five years I've been passing with the same people on the court and now it's all new people <laughs> right right yeah that's different but it's it's starting to get better and we're work, we're all working at it together so. nice and how what is your schedule with this club how often do you have like on court training how often do you guys go to the weight room and then um is it one match a week two match a week just give us a rough idea of what a, a typical week is for you guys in season all right so it is a little bit tough for our schedule because we only have the gym at certain times and we practice in two different gyms so we don't have like a home gym per se but we usually practice so we only have one game per week usually I think that will be the same all season and generally we play on Saturday and then the Sunday our coach just decided that it would be off so the the day after a game we have off and then 
on Mondays we would have an evening workout and practice. And Tuesdays we have an evening practice. And then Wednesdays we'll have a morning practice where usually it's only like the foreigners that can go because the locals have school. And then we'll also have an evening workout and practice. And then Thursday we also have evening workout practice. And then Friday we'd have morning and evening practice. So yeah, that comes up to like seven practices and like two or three workouts in a week plus wow. the game. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned you guys have two practice facilities. Is that because your club is so big that they might have like multiple volleyball teams, like at different age groups, or does your club also have a men's team, or maybe like the basketball team uses where your competitions are? Like. What's, what's the reason for the shift there that you're not always at, like, one home base? Yeah, um, there, there are a lot of different ages to our club. I don't believe there is a men's team. I think we're only women. But there are a lot of younger girls, and I am also going to coach some of those practices. Nice. But, um, the reason, I think, because the one gym is, like, smaller, and that's where most of like all the kids practice I think and we practice there twice a week but then the other gym that we practice in is the bigger one and that's the one that we play games in and I believe they have to pay for every time we use that gym oh I see okay that's why we kind of flip because the other one is free but then we also play in the other one so yeah (laughs) Nice. So looking ahead to this time of the year, from most of the the professional players we've had on the show, you typically don't get enough time during the holiday break to come home. Um, So we talked before the show how close you are to a bunch of other countries. Is that going to be an opportunity for you to travel around a little bit? Or is your family going to come visit you? Like what's what's the plan when you do get a break? Yeah, for sure. So I get a break, I think, for like maybe 10 days that I can be like away from Innsbruck. And um my boyfriend and my sister decided to come and visit me so yeah they will come and i think we will meet in switzerland somewhere and then my boyfriend's like has his mom's family is in france so we will try to go there for christmas so we could have like a little family dinner even though we're not home (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah, try to kind of visit as much as we can in those days and, yeah, see what they want to see because I've, like, been here long enough that I can see everything that's kind of close. But, yeah. Nice. Very exciting. So let's uh, let's circle back. So you grew up in Ottawa and you chose to go be a GG. What may, uh, went into that decision for you to choose Ottawa U? Because I'm sure there was a couple other options. What did you really like about uh that university, and then we can get into the big switch of switching leagues here. Yeah, so um, growing up in Ottawa, I never actually wanted to go to the University of Ottawa. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I just had this idea that I wanted to leave home. But then I realized the more I grew up, I really wanted to study in French, so that was one big deal. So it was either... Because Ottawa U has bilingual for like everything. You can take all the classes either in French or in English. Um, it was always either this or I would go on the Quebec side where everything is in French, obviously. 
Um, so I had a few options in Quebec. I was looking at Laval in uh, Montreal, as well as Ottawa U, because the coach had approached me, and then I was kind of starting to see if that might be an option. And after doing my recruiting trips, I just really liked the environment when I went to Ottawa U. All the girls were like really welcoming and it just kind of felt like I fit in and yeah, it, yeah, it just felt like home, I guess. Nice. And uh, the team was very competitive when you got there. I believe both English sisters were still there and, and a couple other athletes. What was it like stepping into that environment where you helped contribute right away, but there was also already a good core in place of leaders and highly skilled players? Yeah, so the beginning was definitely a little bit rough, I guess, because they they were all pretty intimidating players, I guess, they, <laughs> and they had played together for a long time, so they were comfortable together. So in practices, it kind of was scary sometimes as, like, a freshman. <laughs> but um, we got used to it very fast, and they were the kind of players that could be, like, hard on the court, but then as soon as you walk out, they're, like, the nicest people ever. So it was good in that sense, and, yeah, I just loved having to, getting to practice with them and seeing those types of players. And then, yeah, the more, then, they I only got to play with, like, the English twins and stuff for a year, and then they graduated, so it was kind of, we lost, like, a, a big core group when they left, so we had to, like, kind of step it up right away, I Yeah, guess. definitely. Um, yeah. So you were a part of the change where they uh, left the OUA and joined the Quebec, the RSEQ. Did the athletic department speak to any of the teams directly? Like, did you guys get an explanation of why the change was happening, or were you guys just happy to kind of save on some travel? Because being... Um, without having a men's team, like you guys would always just travel by yourselves. And I imagine a road trip to say Windsor is, is not the most enjoyable experience in the winter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, it was, it wasn't like a secret thing. It was talked to us as we were like, as they were trying to make it happen. And, um, it was good because yeah, it saved a lot of traveling. Um, it's a really high level league and, because we saved so much money, we were able to get more like scholarship money for all the girls. So those were all positives, and we kind of did every girl's like um, like positives and negatives that they thought about doing this change, or like what are the most important things for you? Is it scholarship? Is it I don't know all these different things. So we got everybody's opinion on that, and then. They finally decided to accept us in their league. And, yeah, it just made a lot more sense for our team to to switch over. And I think our hockey te team was already on in the Quebec League for I don't know how many years. So we knew that it was possible and it was a lot easier for them. So, yeah. Do you know when you left, is all of uh, Ottawa's athletic programs now part of the RSEQ? No, I think it's still only hockey and and us volleyball. Now, did you notice a difference, or was the caliber about the same? Like uh, going from Ontario to Quebec, was there what any, any difference uh, as far as like the skill or the the depth of the leagues? There was definitely a difference because 
in Ontario, there are a lot of teams, and there are like also a lot of different level teams. So you have like the few top teams that are always really good, and then you have the middle teams. There's, there's just a lot, and you can't like game plan so much because you play different teams like every weekend. Whereas in Quebec, I feel like every team is like a really high level, and there's only six teams. So in the year, we've literally played every team four times. So there was a lot of game planning and a lot of knowing every single player and them knowing us. So we had to like figure out more ways to kind of play around that and try to figure them out while they try to figure us out. Yeah, for sure. So going from Ontario, once again, like you would play somebody maybe first semester and then play them again the second semester. What was the schedule like in Quebec? Would you guys play the same team twice in the same weekend or was it still kind of one and then wait and see them again? Uh, so we would you, we would play every team twice before Christmas and twice after Christmas. But usually they weren't in the same weekend. They was like kind of spread out. Sometimes not like the best spread, I guess. But every season was a little bit different. And sometimes with Laval, because they were the farthest team, which for us, like compared to Ontario, really isn't that far. Right. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> they sometimes decided like I think one of the years we did a double headers with them so they came once before Christmas we played twice two games and then we went to them after Christmas and played two games now you mentioned this going from six teams and I'm just looking at the standings right now it looks like Ontario has 14 teams so just over double the amount of teams so can you kind of walk us through what your coaching staff would like to do with with less teams like you said you can be way more focused would you guys be watching video, like uh, the whole week leading into a game, or what would uh, a lead into a, a competition weekend look like for you guys? Yeah, we would definitely watch video, like, all the time, because <laughs> we had no choice. Whereas, like, in Ontario, <laughs> we could generally focus on, like, the first game, or, or, like, the best team that we were going to play in the weekend. We would focus on them during our practices and then do a little bit of video in between the games to figure out the second team. Whereas in Quebec, we really had to work on both teams during the whole week. <laughs> so um, we definitely did a lot of video either by positions with the whole team or like they gave us like homework to do it alone at home or just kind of on our own decided to watch more video. And you get to, because you just play them so many times, you get to know the players and what their like favorites are and we kind of try to prepare for those and we know that they all do the same for us so we also have to change up our game at the same time nice and is that prep help you in the in the professional ranking like how much adjustments are you guys making with your pro club right now or how much video are you watching on a, on a game week um yeah it's definitely i feel like it's less there's less video to watch here because like we are 10 teams, so there is more difference in the teams. But we also only have one game every weekend. So during the week, we're only preparing for one game. So generally, uh, we'll have maybe one or two sessions of video with our coach where he like prepared a bunch of uh, like highlights, I guess, for 
either from our game of the last weekend to like analyze what we need to work on or before the next game he'll have like their top hitters what they and show us just like their kind of average like where they, they hit most and what they do like what are their favorites so there is like still a lot of that stuff but it's just less I guess and the video is less accessible than it was in the Quebec League I guess Oh, that's interesting. So, I guess in the Quebec League, just the home team's responsible to film and they put it on a shared server where you're saying the Austrian League doesn't doesn't have the same policies. Yeah, like we, in the Quebec League, we work, work with VidSwap, which is, I think everybody had to post their games there, but then each team chose what kind of bundle they wanted. You had to pay more to get whatever, all the options. And I think our coach like our team decided to like invest that money and so we had access to all the games and you could pick whichever like player and then you could see just all of that player's hits all of that player's serves you could pick all the different things like the game was already pre like edited I guess so you can see all the parts so it's really easy to do video with that Whereas now there is not that option. So if I want to watch something, I have to either try to go through a whole game. It's never, it's not always the best angle either. And I don't always know where to find the video. So I have to ask my coach, but there it's still accessible. It's just not as easy to get to. Because university students, they don't know how lucky they have it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nice. So you mentioned earlier that you started putting together a highlight video in your last year. Um, but with you being an academic All-Canadian, I'm sure you just could have put your degree to work. What kind of made you want to make volleyball your first occupation? Was there kind of a moment that confirmed that you could play at the next level or you just weren't ready to give up playing? Like, What kind of led you to chasing down an agent and, and taking the trip? Um, honestly, I just didn't see myself being done with volleyball yet. <laughs> and like... Yeah, I just feel like I had so much more to give and I just needed to keep going now because also if I wait, it's, there's just no point because now is like the prime time. I just finished university and I've just played at a high level. So I might as well use that like with me to go and try to play again at a high level right away because if I decided to wait and I know that I would want to play again, and if I waited, then it would be harder to try to get in again. And yeah, because I was already out of the high level. I just thought I might as well go for it now. Nice. Very cool. Um, when we had Becky Pavin on the show, she mentioned um, kind of the difference between volleyball right now and say like a North American sport is it seems like our professional athletes that we get to watch on TV all the time, they'll, they'll sign long deals, five, six, seven, eight, ten years at a time or whatever volleyball players are always signing the one and done deal and she mentioned she enjoyed it because you're kind of betting on yourself and you can pick a new club if you didn't like it or you can visit different countries um, how are you experiencing with the one-year deal are you looking forward to kind of just getting more experience and maybe going to a different league next year or are you just taking it one day at a time like how does it feel knowing that you really only have this season to kind of prove yourself um yeah so i've kind of seen this as I see this as an opportunity to like put myself out there and because nobody knows me like before I was here nobody knew me overseas like only in my university league <laughs> they knew me 
So coming here is kind of like putting myself out there and just trying to improve more and more. And I just want to see to like which level, like which league I can get to, like maybe in the next few years and see, yeah, just see where this brings me. All right, so we've learned a lot about where you are in the world and kind of how you got there. I don't know if you've listened to a previous episode, but uh, Dallas and I always like to end the episode with just a, a funny story that volleyball has kind of presented you, a unique situation that, uh, I don't know, people people know you're a professional athlete, but stuff still happens to volleyball players that puts us in odd situations. So do you have any experience either in your travels or your short time being a pro athlete or something in university that happened that you're kind of like, huh? Even though I'm at the highest level of my sport, I still have to go through, like, these weird experiences. Yeah, for sure. So when I got here, I have kind of a story about that. So when I left, um, my club booked my flight for me. So I just showed up to the airport and all that. And then the people at the airport told me that my luggage wasn't going through all the way. So I had three flights. I had one from Ottawa to Halifax, Halifax to Frankfurt, and then Frankfurt to Innsbruck. So in Frankfurt, my luggage wasn't going through, so I had to get my, my get my luggage, check it back in, go through security again to then go on my flight. And I only had two hours in Frankfurt. And if you know, Frankfurt is a really big airport. So I, yeah, I was kind of nervous about that part, but there was nothing I could do at this point, so I just went for it. And when I got off the plane, I think I waited maybe 40 minutes to get my luggage so that I would come out of the plane. And so that was basically half of my time done. So then I try to find my way out and back to, like, where you would check in, and I have these two big... Um, suitcases that I'm carrying because I have all my stuff for the next nine months with me and so I'm trying to figure out my way through this big airport where there's so many people and I finally found where I should check in and then I go through this massive line that took probably the other half of the time and then I check in and everything goes through and then I have to run to security go through security but then my bag wouldn't like they had to check my bag again and make it go through again so wasted another like five or ten minutes and then I ran to my gate and as soon as I got there they're like oh you're too late and so I missed my flight by I believe two minutes (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's only because the like, when you get to the gate, because it's such a big airport, you they make you take a bus from the gate to the plane. And because it was a bus, they had to leave. They couldn't wait, like, two minutes for another passenger, so they had to leave. So that's the only actual reason why I missed my flight. But then I'm freaking out because I'm alone in Frankfurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to contact the people from my club, club and I only have two numbers one was my coach and one was the president of the club and neither of them were answering me and so I'm kind of freaking out at this point <laughs> and the people from the gate were like oh you should go see um 
at this desk, they will help you. And that was like the, the flight people from my, yeah. So I was with Lufthansa for my last flight. So they made me go to their office to let, have them figure it out. So I go there and then they tell me that there's nothing they can do. I have to buy a whole other flight, which is like 400 euros. And yeah, that was just a mess. <laughs> And so I'm freaking out, trying to figure out if there's another way I can get there, and they're still not answering me. And then my big flight was with Condor, so another air flight. And so then I had to find my way to their office, which I had to go through the whole airport, which is, again, massive. It took me forever. And then I finally, and I, all this time, I'm trying to call these people. <laughs> I'm, like, talking to my family back home because they were answering, and I think my dad called the president of the club here, and he got a hold of her. Anyways, that was very complicated. And then they finally answered, because I was thinking, okay, I'm going to this new country, and now nobody's answering me, so maybe this was a whole joke. They're not actually going to be there. <laughs> but then, yeah, then they answered, and then I went through the other office, and then they they were really nice and they figured that it was their mistake that my luggage didn't go through and so they after all they gave me another flight for free so i made it safe after all this panic <laughs> that would have been the worst trick of all time if you just arrived and there was no club and you just got catfished by some <laughs> volleyball agent that'd be that's just not funny <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really funny in the moment, but now I can laugh about it. <laughs> was there somebody waiting at the last airport you were at to drive you to your house, or how did you know where to go once you landed? Yeah, so the airport in Innsbruck is where I landed. It's a pretty small airport, like really small. I think we were just our tiny little flight there, and I just followed the people, and I had no idea who I was looking for because, yeah, I didn't know their face. <laughs> And so I just walk out, and there's, like, three people standing and waving at me. <laughs> like, all right, I guess it's these people. <laughs> so, yeah, I just walked to them, and then they said hi. They drove me to my apartment. They basically just dropped me off and left. And then, thank God, one of my roommates was already here, and she had been here for a few days, so she knew a little bit around, so she kind of helped me to, like, get food and, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you get to live with one of the other foreigners on your team? Yeah, we're actually three in the apartments. And one of them is uh, from Spain, and the other one is just from Austria, but in a different city, so she's staying in the apartment with us. Oh, nice. Um, sadly, you're not the only indoor players who's told us that they've got to the airport and basically got in a random car because the person was nice to them. I think that's it's a little <laughs> unnerving to know that indoor players are just getting in the first car for somebody who waves to them. I don't know if that's the best... Uh, airport security our sports should be offering but uh. yeah <laughs> i mean i kind of recognized i guess their face but they also knew who i was so i guess <laughs> you did, just gotta trust it and go for it did they have a sign with them or how do you know like usually at like toronto airport you see the people who are like well dressed and have a sign like i think that's the official way to do it but yeah i thought they would to be honest but <laughs> considering how small that airport is it just wouldn't really make sense. They were like the only people standing there. So 
true. You'd have to be pretty creepy just to hang out at, at an airport and wave at random people hoping that they would go with you. So I'm, I'm sure it's safe. I'm, I'm overthinking this maybe, but I don't know. You're not the only person who's told it, a similar story where I'm just like, why do indoor people just not know who they're getting in a car with? But anyways. Yeah. I mean, it was better to be with them than stuck in Frankfurt alone. So. Yeah, you had spent enough time in airports that you were just ready to go wherever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Uh, we got to work together on Team Ontario way back, and I think you're, you've are you always been an easy person to root for, so happy to hear you got a contract your first year at university and that it's going well and you're enjoying it. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, I think with the, the time zone change, we better call it there because you've got, uh, you know, professional athlete things to do. And uh I'll just get back to my normal volleyball empire that Dallas and I are building here. But uh, we'll have to have you back on once you've kind of gone through a season and can explain the playoff structure and kind of what it's like to try for contract number two. But, yeah, you're always welcome, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> Movember is the leading charity dedicated to changing the face of men's health around the world. This Movember, whatever mustache you grow, will save a bro. Donating to Movember will help raise funds and awareness for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and mental health and suicide prevention. There are lots of volleyball bros growing their mo that you can donate to, or if you don't know anyone, yours truly, in Passing Dime's own, Josh Nickel, is raising funds for Movember. Head over to mobro, M-O-V-R-O dot C-O slash Josh Nickel, J-O-S-H-N-I-C-H-O-L, to donate. 